0: A listener production. Okay, are you recording? Hey, crew. Welcome along to episode 22 of the Howie Games. Now, I normally say at this point right off the top, thanks for listening. And you know what? I really, really mean it because without you guys, there ain't no Howie Games. So your support, your feedback, and your downloading absolutely fills us with joy. So thank you. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Now, before we get to this week's tasty little episode, the Howie Games IT department, which is our producer, Michael James... And that's pretty much it. Anyway, old MJ has built us a website. He's dragging us into the 21st century. It's got all the back catalogue of episodes on there. It's got videos, news stories, links, photos, and more importantly, has easy links to download the show no matter what type of device you're rocking. So check it out, HowieGames.com. HowieGames.com, beauty. Now, this week, our Big Bash special continues with arguably the biggest star in the whole operation, a man that I've got to say fascinates me, I guess he fascinates the cricket public, the sports public, probably the general public, to be honest, Kevin Peterson. Kev's numbers, statistically, they're absolutely brilliant. The fastest player to 1,000 and 2,000 one-day international runs, the second highest run total from his first 25 tests, behind Sir Donald Bradman, if you don't mind, 104 tests, 23 test entries, ashes victories, and regarded by many as the best English batsman of modern time. But KP, as I'm sure a lot of you will realise, is about so much more than the numbers, it's got to be said. If you read his brutally honest autobiography, KP, which is an absolutely ripping read, in some ways you see a man caught between two worlds, a man who definitely never, ever takes a backward step, which gets him into trouble, and a man who's clashed with authority repeatedly, and sometimes, it's got to be said, his teammates. So everyone, it seems, has an opinion on Kevin Peterson. Mine? Well, I was taught to judge people on how they treat you, so... To be honest, I couldn't speak more highly of Kevin. We first met at the Oval in London when I was sent down to interview him about signing with the Melbourne Stars during the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. And Kev, he was wonderful. He couldn't have been more friendly, more welcoming, more open. In the interview itself, he was considered, he was polite, he answered the hard questions, the easy questions, he had a laugh, he had a smile on his face, he was entertaining. This time, you'll roll up at the MCG and they'll be cheering your name, which will be different. Yeah, but I'm I'm not so sure. I've played pretty well. I've always got runs in Australia with people booing me and abusing me, so... um...
1: (laughs) I mean, I mean, if you're from Melbourne, don't don't feel obliged to uh, to, to to clap me on. <laughs> I probably won't play as well.
0: And the thing that really stuck with me is he made everybody there that day at ease, which is in some ways sort of meant to be my job. I walked away thinking, well, what a lovely chap he is. KP has a wicked sense of humour. He's got a tremendous love of the game, a love of his family, and as you'll hear in this chat, a love of trying to save African wildlife. But I implore you, forget the headlines. Forget about what you think you may know, forget about all the rubbish and listen to the story of an off-spinner from South Africa. Yeah, you might not have realised that. Kev was an off-spinner who became the biggest name in the game. Kevin Peterson, MBE. Oh my jaja, tell me why won't they open up their eyes They could help out if they try, try, try If they would try, try, try Kevin Peterson, welcome to the Howie Games, how are you mate? Good,
1: good, yeah I've heard a lot about the Howie Games and uh, I look forward to sitting down and having a chat
0: with you. Yeah it's but bizarre isn't it that you sit down and uh, we know each other reasonably well now which always helps in a conversation like this but uh, big bash is going well at the moment before we get to sort of where all mm. stars, going well for the stars and going well for you, making runs, you look to be in a pretty good place mate.
1: It is, it is, it's, uh, it's going okay, we didn't start the tournament uh, particularly well, we we're playing some very unstars like cricket actually, we mm. were um yeah just getting to tight situations and we just weren't calling it right thinking right playing right um and and yeah we've turned it around but as they say you want to peak at the right times in sport no point in t- i mean you've got to obviously get to a good position in the tournament and you you don't want to lose it before you have any chance of getting any further in the stage of the comp but uh, we seem to be playing okay i mean our game against the Renegades that had was fantastic. It was just a real good all-round performance. And then to go across to Perth, to sort of acclimatise to Perth two or three days before and then absolutely destroy them in that game, gave us a lot of confidence, but it's about backing it up now.
0: My, my, ho- my great hope for this podcast, and it, it, hopefully it's the way they're all rolling out, is that And I was writing the intro before, I was sitting in a coffee shop writing the intro, mm-hmm. which people will now heard, and I think, you oh, how do you describe Kevin? And I sort of, I ended up something along the lines of, you know. Muppet. Well, no. I, <laughs> well, some people would, mate. Some people would. I wrote that you got a good sense of humour. I, I was sort of writing that, forget all you've heard about this bloke, forget what you might think you know about him. Um, hopefully we get to see the real Kevin Peterson. So, I, 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 mate, hopefully that's what we get over the next hour. Um. <laughs> And also right in the, off, uh, in the opener that you're an off-spinner from South Africa, which a lot of people wouldn't realise you You're sort of yeah. headed off to be an off-spinner. But before that, mate, you, you're obviously a, a, a proud South African, a proud Englishman yeah. as well, but uh, it all started off for you in South Africa. Mm. What, are you, what are your first memories of that part? Well, beautiful country, beautiful
1: country. It is. I mean, obviously we, I sent you to a mm. fantastic place, you and your lovely wife, a, yes. couple, of, a couple of weeks ago. and uh, of it's, mind. Yeah, it's, it's a place that has my fondest memories growing up outdoor kind of child it's very very similar to australia so it's that outdoor vibe it's that outdoor lifestyle it's that uh, it's actually the only thing that's different to, to to australia is that there's a walking culture here in australia where you walk the high streets and you shop on the high streets and you do that whereas um it's more shopping center driven in south africa so you are outdoors the weather's very very similar uh it's the southern hemisphere you get the hot summers the coolish winters although in durban um our winters are pretty much uh uh, on par with with a lot of people's summers because it's 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 uh, it's tropical and it's just a very 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 beautiful place in the winter. Um, so the outdoor sort of lifestyle is is very reminiscent of, of an Aussie lifestyle, mm. um, and it's also the 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 same sort of personalities that you get here in the Southern Hemisphere: straight talk,ing straight shooters. If you like someone, you like someone. If you don't, you don't. Um, and so, yeah, my my fondest memories are definitely. Um, Having the wonderful upbringing of, of the outdoor lifestyle in South Africa, three brothers, um, my unbelievable mum and dad who who travelled and and did everything for the kids, and being a father of two now, you know all you want to do is give your kids the best opportunities in life, you do. Um, the the education, um, give them sort of everything that they want and everything that they need because you want to be the best parent. Sometimes you probably give them a bit too much. I know my little hat probably gets a bit too much, but it's it's the nature of the beast. It's hard um, not to spoil them, isn't it? It, it is hard, especially with me travelling as much as I travel. Um, it's incredibly hard. You're all, I was always I'm always in an airport, and I always bring him something back from the airport. So you have a look at this winter, the number of international flights I've done, or or flight. I mean. It, it's ridiculous so every time i'm in an airport i'll always get him something and bring it back to the house so i mean teddies i've just got a a little kid gave me a little baby rhino yesterday so i showed him that on facetime and he's buzzing for a little rhino to come home Probably saved me 20 bucks too at the airport, which is great. And when you
0: walk in the door, <laughs> is it one quick hug? And dad, did you buy me any presents? Oh, before I, sh- I get in, what did you get me? <laughs> <laughs> what did you get me?
1: Um, so I make a point of hugging him and then saying, um, yeah, I've got you something. But he always knows that I've got him something. And it's it's cool. It is it's it is what it is. it is. It's hard when you... It's actually hard on Jess because she's the one who really has to discipline the kids. And yes, it's hard. Wife. Yeah, it's hard for it's hard for me to walk in the door and really start disciplining the kids straight away when I'm actually not at home. It, it, I find it real hard. So the balance is the balance is tricky.
0: Do, do you find when you get back home, I'm drawing on my personal experience mm. now, you almost have to slide into the background because if you go yeah. in and start making your decisions, you upset the whole apple cart that's mm. gone on for the previous month without you, and that can cause friction as well. Well, I mean, well, it, well
1: it does it does with your wife, yeah. but with the kids, I mean, because I'm not around as often as... Um, mum's around she sort of yeah she sort of just she sort of goes into the background because my little boy is just all over me like a cheap suit I Mm. mean and it's amazing it is an absolute it's it's amazing um but I I find it hard for for Jess because she does all the all the hard work and then I get home and it's all of like oh daddy 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 so I've got to sort of manage that um which we do uh, and that's why I took the whole summer off last summer. I had six seven months of doing absolutely nothing. I did nothing All my travel was with the family um, All the holidays was with the family Every single pickup from school I did well, most of them 90 percent of them um, And that's and that's the kind of stuff that you can't take for granted and my mom and daddy did exactly the same They had four four boys in different age groups playing different sports or the same sport on a different field maybe at a different school mm. mum and dad never missed a game of sport that their kids played and so I think it's really important to always be there for your kids um, when you can my job isn't a nine to five a normal nine to five so yeah but it's hard I mean I missed my son's first football game last week for his club
0: now, how do you go um, with that
1: well, I don't like it.
0: Do you? I'm just talking about Brad mm. Hodge and he sat down with me and he said sometimes he feels like he's in the hotel and they're let out to play cricket. Mm. It's difficult when your loved ones are on the other side of the world, especially if things aren't going well, which they are at the
1: moment. The only thing I hate about Australia is the time zone. Yeah. I love this country and I've fallen in love with this country and I think this country's sort of seen the real me over the last two years or three years being part of it and, and not having that stupid ashes rivalry. Mm. Um but I just hate this time zone because it's now two o'clock in the afternoon. It's three o'clock London. Um, I've got a game this evening, so I'll be my phone will be off between but around five, five thirty. When your young boys waking up? When Dylan and the kids are waking up, and I normally do breakfast with them over FaceTime, which is the six till seven before he goes to school. So I'll miss that this morning. I can't wake up at five o'clock in the morning to get him before he goes to bed or before Rosie goes to bed. So mm-hmm. I miss them in the morning. So I can go a couple of days without speaking to my kids um, just because of the, the time zone. And it's horrible. It's the only thing that I absolutely hate about this place.
0: So when, when you're in South Africa and you're growing up and you got your mum and dad and your brothers around you, at what stage did you think, I'm um, Not too bad at cricket This could be something I can do Was it older?
1: Only older I was a very late developer I didn't play many A teams I played I was okay So Um, what's your
0: first memories Of playing cricket?
1: Oh, a five-year-old kid trying to get my first cricket bat. Dad said, you get 25 runs, I'll get you a cricket bat. So good, it took me tough, a while to
0: get 25 a runs. good tough African's father, Absolutely, it like. yeah. yeah.
1: You get 25 runs before you. 25 <laughs> runs for a five-year-old is like <laughs> me getting a double hundred.
0: <laughs> In a I mean, so 20 game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: so um, it took a while. I didn't even think I got that 25. I uh, I might have maybe got about 15, but told him I got 25. Uh yeah, I got my little Duncan Fernie colt, and, and I was away, but no, very late developer. Didn't even play first team at school until my last term of school. And then I just, uh, I don't know how it happened, but I, I, like you said, I was a, uh, an off-spin bowler. Which and a lot of people wouldn't realise. No, well, unless you've read it, read up about it, no. I wasn't Congratulations spin.
0: on your book, by the way, too. I read it over the last three days. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Okay. It, um, Had A couple of sprays in there, wasn't there? Yeah, it was a couple of, you know, <laughs> maybe the first 400 pages. <laughs> of 403 <laughs> yeah, and then I got to the photos in the end <laughs> but you, you, were, you were an off spinner
1: I was an off spinner and came back um, and turned out to be yeah, a batter that, that whacks it I think I preferred doing the whacking than being whacked but my batting sort of came into its own when I moved to England And
0: um, so what, why the move obviously you know it's and I guess, again, reading your book, you've changed your views on what was happening in South Africa at the time. And it's a really, it's a sensitive situation, mm. I guess, in some ways. Mm. But it just wasn't the opportunities for you, the well, way it's, it's South quite, Africa was It's developing. quality of
1: opportunities. Right. That's it. And I didn't see the opportunities presented to me as ones that where I thought, I really want to give this a run. And I totally understand transformation and I get it. And it's it's fine. Um, transformation
0: a lot of people won't know what the you
1: transformation mean. process in south africa is playing players of color in every single representative team and they have to play i think it's up to about six now and in, in teams it was three or four when i was playing and that goes through to the test and side it goes through to the test side down to club sides down to school school representative teams um and it's, tr- it's trying to undo the wrongs of the past which is absolutely fine and i'm and, and uh, i know i, I I said some stupid things when I was young and, and didn't really understand the process and it was just sort of a barrier in my way. So I just went out there gung-ho and just said, oh, blah, 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 blah. But the more you mature, the more you understand, the more you read and the more you get in, in into it, you think, actually, no, there is there is a place for it. Um, but unfortunately, when I was 19, 20 and I really wanted to make a go of cricket, um, the quality of opportunity wasn't... There for me And I was playing every game Thinking "Geez, You have to perform here else you, you, You're you, not going to get a run The next game And uh, Some of the games I was performing And then I was getting left out Because a coloured player Got injured And another coloured player To replace him Which mm-hmm. meant I had To get chucked out the squad And so I thought to myself You know what Why don't you just give it a go Clive Rice is in Nottingham He's offered me A three year contract In England why don't you just go and give that a go It might not work But you know what Just go there You'll get an opportunity to play If I play well enough in pre-season And Rice, he pulled me into his room in April And I'll never forget the conversation The late Clive Rice One of my heroes And my father figure in the UK um, And he said to me He said I'm going to bat you at six all season And you're going to bowl spin for me all season And I sat there and I went All season? And he went, yep The whole season You're going to do what you're going to do I said, wow. And I like walked out the room. Then I went like, so it's April now. I'm going to play all the way till September. Six months of cricket in the first team for Nottinghamshire first team. Like I'd only played about five or six, maybe seven proper first class games. And I was going to play every single competition. Bat at six. Kamhala water, Mm. And bowl of spin. And that sort of confidence from a coach is something that not a lot of people in South Africa really play with. They don't play with that confidence and knowledge to know they're good enough to go and play and they want um, the individual to just go and succeed at the, in that position and get a good run at it. And maybe it was a play, a positive play from Ricey to go, I'm going to tell him this now, but I might have to have a bit of a chat with him in a month's time if he's if he's not good enough and go, Like I was going to give you that opportunity, but it's not working out. Why don't you just have a break for a while, then maybe come back? But it was, for my personality, unbelievable. I'd been playing with the worry, with the fear of not playing the next game because I'd not done well, or even I'd done well, but I probably wouldn't play the next game because of circumstances. And I just ran with it. I mean, I, I top scored. I averaged 54. I got a load of wickets that summer. My batting started to really overcome my, my dodgy offies. Uh, and I just went from there I mean I got I went to I remember a story walking past Lords. I'd never been to Lords, never seen Lords. I walked past the gates of Lords the night before in Marylebone. and I said to Paul Johnson, one of the oldest uh, the statesman in the side, I said, "Wow, that's Lords, that's amazing. is that the stay? Oh yeah I said, oh, it's incredible. I can't wait for tomorrow." and he was like yep just make sure you only go one down one flight to stairs if you go down two from the dressing room, you end up in the toilet so i was like oh jeez, okay <laughs> um i can't mess that one up and i mean yeah my first outing at lords day one i think it was day one or day two i got 170 160 and that was my first outing and that's when like confidence levels really started to go and go and go and people talk about confidence they talk about arrogance they talk about ego i think you have to be confident in your own ability in order to be successful at the top of your game. Uh, And I think my confidence started to really build after walking into Lords, my first innings, my second or third game for knots, and whacking 160, 170.
0: To me, Kev, knowing you, I don't know, reasonably well Mm. now, to me, Mm. it seems that that's what you cry out for in your professional sporting career people to back you and have confidence in you and pump you up and from there you do all the technical stuff by yourself but it seems to me that you need people to have faith in you to then go and do your best is that a fair comment well i think as a kid you can be brainwashed
1: into believing certain things and I think your, your younger years you're created in the in, in your younger years and the younger years I'm now talking about is my younger years in terms of professional sport and my younger years in professional sport were ones where I was dropped after doing well, I wasn't picked when I was the best player and that sort of that sort of leaves a, a, a sort of a horrible mark in your head thinking, I've done well but I've been dropped I've done real well I've been mad at the match and then been dropped Um, Am I going to play the next game So you you sort of live in that fear And so when somebody comes in And gives you the confidence and belief Hmm. It sort of changes the way that you're thinking Um, And then you've got to build your confidence And build your confidence And build your confidence And then you get to a point where you go Right, I reckon I'm at a level now Where I think I can succeed If I keep doing the things that I've been doing but it just always takes that little bit of... There's always self-doubt. I remember scoring Test 100s for England. And I remember one in particular. Um, I scored a 100 in, I think, it was Napier. I get Hamilton and Napier confused. It's one of those. I got 100 against New Zealand. And I hadn't got a 100 for two or three months before. And I was really starting to worry about my spot. Now, when I tell people, they were like, well, you're worried about your spot. Mate, you're, av- you're averaging 50 in Test Match Cricket. You're winning games for England. But I was, I've always lived with this fear of worrying about my spot. I Always. For some strange reason, and I think it was the start of my professional career where I'd done really well but got dropped. And it's it's weird because I should never have been worried. But you always live with that fear factor that I, I always have. I don't do anymore because I know that I'm finishing. I could finish today. I could finish next year. And I don't really need the – I've had a, I've been lucky enough to have a really wonderful career.
0: But, mate, people are going to say you're worried about your spot. That's yeah. completely how – different how do you look on the field which is what the point of what yeah. we're doing and the thing mm. that really amazed me of everything you wrote about. I don't Liverpool, worry anymore no no i know that and what a wonderful way to live life not yeah, worrying about it things is now yeah the thing that blew my mind was the way you could get to the middle of a wicket regardless of what you'd done in the prior innings and just by the way you picked up the your bat. yeah whether you felt like today it's my day or it's not my day and yeah. if it wasn't you you, you couldn't hopeless. get yourself out of it hopeless how's that happened mate
1: I, I don't know. It was something I was actually working on with a with a, with a psychologist.
0: This is when you're possibly the best batter in the world and you, you go yeah. out there and it doesn't feel I mean, right. I remember when you a
1: pick game sp- sp- at, at uh, Lords, <laughs> not Lords, against South Africa at the Oval in 2012 or whenever it was. I'd batted in the first innings and I was hitting everything and then I got a bumper and I gloved it to the keeper. Davilius caught me uh, off Callis and I was batting beautifully. Beautifully. I just scored 150 or 200 or even. 250 in a, in a in a Surrey versus Lancashire game leading into the Test series, so everything was hunky dory. It was batting beautifully, and I walked out to bat in the second innings. And I swear to you now, Morde Mork M- M- was at the top of his mark, and I took my guard and I, and I was holding my bat in my hand, and I just thought, "I'll be I'll get out every single ball here." I am in the worst possible sp- headspace, a technical space that I could possibly be in. It was just me and my stance, picking my bat up, going i got no chance and I, and i nick more to slip Callus dropped me a few balls later knocked me off spun off off stump out the ground i, just, I was nowhere and then a week later i went ahead and i got 150 walked out to bat going I, I could hit any ball i want here wherever i want yeah. it, it's so weird like the power I, of the mind but it's yeah it is the power of the mind but it, it's so mental like it's something that and that's one of my biggest regrets not really playing long past the time when I was starting to work on that to try and turn that around. It's something that I really wanted to try and turn around, that ability to walk out and feel atrocious but still get 100. I never did it. I could never do it.
0: So you walk out to play your first game for England? Yeah. In South Africa? Yeah. In a one day (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty noisy Well I bet it was Because the South Africans Are parochial sports fans As yeah. much as we Are here in Australia yeah. Um They turned their back On you at one point
1: Yeah I got 100 My first 100 Was um the second innings In Bloemfontein And the whole crowd Just turned their back On the on the playing arena Just to show you that. Just I was like Mate do one Right Which was yeah Very emotional My mum and dad Were crying and stuff In the stands They couldn't believe it Were they um, But I was young I just got a 100 Playing well It is what it is Um Never thought too much about it, to be fair, because I knew next next game I was going to go and get another spray somewhere in South Africa, then the next day, then the next day. But actually what stood me in good stead for my whole career, and especially playing against Australia in the Ashes, coming down to Australia and getting sprayed as much as I got sprayed, the the, the hammering that I take from Australian crowds, and I mean, it's it's incredible. Now I don't. I, I can go to the WACA and I get cheered when I walk down to the boundary and it's just like... Uh, well, is this for real? <laughs> I probably won't get the same in Brisbane, but that's okay. Um, I can't see myself spending too much time up in Brisbane. I
0: told you this would happen. <laughs> when we first met yeah. at the Oval, yeah. I said, if you go out there and play well for the Melbourne Stars, all of a sudden you'll be a hero and people will get to know the real you. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I've
0: been very lucky. So what's um, it like dealing with...
1: But but what I, my, the point is what I was going to say was uh, the baptism of fire that I got in South Africa mm. at the Ring, and then in Bloemfontein, not so much in Cape Town for some strange reason, but then also at Centurion and being able to conquer all of that, the abuse off the field, having to walk around with security. Um, With security? Yeah, I had security in South Africa. Um, But just because when you're going out into a bar, some bloke gets drunk and then he starts spraying you and it's just like, I just don't need to get whacked in a nightclub or a bar. Uh, So I always had security. Um... And then sort of getting a standing ovation from 30,000 people at Centurion, after I got man of the series, I scored 300s, and we lost the series, but I ended up getting man of the series, and that set me up real well for anything that I was gonna have to endure in terms of crowd um, participation or crowd abuse for the rest of my career. And it sort of really toughened me up. That's That thick skin that I needed to be successful at the job that I did with the decisions that I made to leave South Africa, that six weeks or four weeks stood me in good stead for it.
0: A quick break from Kev to tell you about our final Big Bash special that comes out next Thursday. It features a man of great intelligence, compassion and warmth. In some ways, I guess you'd call him a statesman of the game, the great Sri Lankan Kumar Sangakkara. On the 3rd of March 2009, on their way to day three of a test match at Gaddafi Stadium in Lahore, Pakistan, the bus carrying the Sri Lankan cricket team was fired upon by 12 gunmen. In tragic scenes, six Pakistani policemen and three civilians were killed and six of the Sri Lankan team were injured. Kumar Sangakara was on that bus. There's never a doubt in our minds that, or a question in our mind whether we would get a attacked. We thought, well, everyone loves cricket here. Yeah. In our part of the world, we're untouchable and then we find out that we're not. Um it was a harrowing experience, uh, for sure. Uh, Tilan Samravira got very badly injured. Uh, Talanga Parnavitana opener on his debut tour, was very lucky to survive. Um, a lot of people had injuries, uh, shrapnel wounds. Yourself? Yeah, myself included. Um, um, but again, you know, I look back to see you know, we're Islanders, you know, and uh, life is is for the is, is to be lived. That's Kumar Sangakara next Thursday on the Howie Games. Now, please do me a favour and subscribe to our humble little podcast. I know I bang on about subscribing all the time, but it's subscriber numbers rather than downloads that drive the reach of the show. So the more subscribers, the more people that listen to it. Back to Kev. People have this perception that you are arrogant and you have an ego. Yeah. Who was the real Kevin Peterson when you first got picked for England? you remember it going into your first test match and what it meant to you and what it was all about?
1: Uh, Howie, it's a, it's a, it's a media perception. The media like to, and I never had a great relationship with the media in England because I, know, I always turned down all their requests to go and have dinner with them. And I just thought, mm. you're going to get me at some stage. Why should I play the game? I probably should have played the game a little bit better with the media, but I didn't. Uh, I, I did. I mean, one of the journalists, the one who's turned out to be uh, the bloke who's given me the most jib, was a guy that I actually sat down and had dinner with and said something at a dinner, which turned out to be something that he printed in his newspaper the next day, which sort of started the downward spiral with the media because then I just turned myself off from the media. What did you print? I just printed something about running away from a tour. Okay. Um, Tevez, when Tevez ran away from, I think it was United or uh, City, yep, yep. and uh, I was in Barbados and I just lost the captaincy. Um, my wife was doing um, Dancing on Ice in England and i just said in the middle of the tour would it be possible if i could go i said to the can i go just just for a few days i'm not going to play the tour game can i just and it was just like a cold face no and i just said in a, just talking over dinner i was like oh man i just i felt it was like a tevez moment i just fancy just running away for a few days just because mm. of the pressure i was under height i had, I had journalists on me all day every day i would be running somewhere it would be in the media and the next day that i was running somewhere i'd be on a beach somewhere be in the media that i was on the beach somewhere i'd be i was eating friggin some sort of food in some <coughs> restaurant it would be in the media that i was doing that i mean the 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 scope of pressure that was on me that then when i lost the captaincy but they i stayed in the team i got 97 at um in jamaica and the next day the headline was dumb slog millionaire because i'd just been bought for 1.5 million dollars in an auction um dumb slug millionaire dumb slog millionaire um, so yeah i just i just had a horrendous battle um, with the media i probably should have i could have played the media better but it's not my personality and so what i'm saying is that that ego arrogance which i don't mind let them write what they write it really doesn't bother me it was not ego it was not arrogance it was confidence in my ability to perform at precious situations and i need the confidence in myself, in my ability, which comes through hours and hours of hard work, dedication, uh, research, the full works to know that when the pressure's on, I'll mm. deliver. And I did it my whole career. And people, it's an easy, it's an easy throw away. He's arrogant. He's this, he's that. Well, I might be arrogant, but in pressure situations, I, I delivered.
0: It mustn't be easy, though. We had this conversation a year ago after the whole Chris Gale thing blew mm. up in the big bash, sitting mm. probably in this very hotel room. Yeah. It can't be easy, though, no matter how strong a character you are, when you're on the front page, the back page, the middle page, in a negative way. There's been a billion <laughs> positive articles written about you, mate. Yeah. But what's it like when then when you're under siege like that, like the way you're describing it, every movie's analysed and flogged within an inch of its life and you are the story?
1: Um I look at it as a tornado. You're in the you're in the in the windy section. Mm. You then get into the center and it's it sort of cools down and then it goes again and then it's gone. And that's what I said to you last year when all that stuff blew up. I was like, mate, it'll be yeah. gone. We sit here now a year on now no one even remembers it. And that's how I look at it. It just actually doesn't bother me anymore. I've been through that much in my career that it really doesn't bother me. My mate had my mate over here. He's just immigrated to Australia. I haven't seen him for a long time. And he came and uh, and spent the night here in Melbourne with me the other night. And he was just like, geez, you, the, the skin that you must have had to have, or you've had to have created to filter all the stuff that's happened to you in your career. And I just said, yeah. I said, it is what it is. I, I, I do not get perturbed at all. Like nothing bothers me. And maybe it's a really bad way to be. But actually, I've only got a few friends who I trust with everything so my pool of people is my family and a few of my buddies and that is it I don't let anybody else in because if I let other people in and I start to give my time away to too many people I've been burnt that many times that it's just a it's just a no go so it works for me it really does work for me I don't give a Shit about anything that gets said, anything that people read. Yep. All I care about is my buddies and my family. Because I've been stung too many times to worry about trying to let people in. I don't let anyone in. Which and people, people will say, "Oh, well, well, you're arrogant, arrogant." Well.
0: I couldn't care if you think I'm American, <laughs> which is mate. Why I appreciate you sitting down having a chat with me because I know you're not a, a one-on-one man that does this type of thing. So when you're playing for England and it's mm. great and it's wonderful and you're scoring runs, and mm. is it the best thing ever when you are achieving everything you hope to achieve? You've come from an off-spinner, you've left your family, you've been homesick, you've had doubts, and uh, again, you're
1: again, I mean that's 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 a good question. But no, it's not it's not the best thing ever because I've tried to keep things on a plateau and on one level if i failed i've never thought it's the darkest days right i've worried about about obviously my spot and stuff but i've also worried about my spot when i've got runs because of that impact on me when i was a young professional and so what i've tried to do is just keep everything plain sailing like this tournament i've got runs every single time i batted, it but i'm not carrying on any differently to if i've got naught every single time I bat it um, and no, I tried bit. to do <laughs> that I tried to do that My whole career I really really tried
0: Whenever I see you Before a game Say good luck mate And your response Is "Well, I'll do my best
1: Yeah Yeah because That's <laughs> all I can do Yeah uh, but, but also When uh, this is again Another arrogant or comfort, I, go, I think my best Will be good enough Because I've trained Well enough to do it mm. And if my best Isn't good enough Well Can I blame my training Well Or my Or my, um, or my process Before the game if I can blame that, then it's my fault. And if I can't blame that, then it is what it is. I prepare to fail. That's what I do. You prepare to fail. I prepare to fail because I know that I'm going to fail more times than I'm successful. So if I'm prepared for failure, then the good stuff will just roll.
0: So when the good stuff does roll, you walk to... You walk to the crease in the final test of the Ashes series in 2005. You don't know it, but your life is about to completely change. You're rocking that. It can only be described (laughs) as rude. (laughs) And you've you've been kind. Well, yeah, I am. (laughs) how bad was it? Well, it's funny, on these podcasts, other people swear, and oh, being a broadcaster, I'm still too <laughs> scared to swear. Maybe I could, but it was, no, nah, I can't, but it was Is that bad. It was pretty bad, <laughs>
1: I was with Gilly in the airport. We did, obviously, the game in Perth, and we were on the red eye back to Melbourne two nights ago, three nights ago, and we were talking about the ashes and stuff, and he was just like, mate, that hairstyle. And I just said, I oh, know, every single time they replay that series, I swear at the television for having the audacity to celebrate the hundred with taking my helmet off. I should have kept my helmet on, <laughs> even though I'd friggin' about... 15 kilograms of weight on me That I probably shouldn't have had But I was enjoying single life um, As an Ashes player In a pretty big series um, The biggest so, series Yeah it was actually Yeah well that's what Gilly says too Gilly says that one And then also India in India The one that they lost He said, um, he said those are the best two series That he ever, he's ever played in And I've never played in a series As good as that It was my first series And I've never ever played in a series As big and as good as that And we've beaten India in India. We've come down here and beaten Australia in Australia. Um, We've lost some unbelievable test matches. That uh, 2006 one in, in Adelaide where we lost after scoring 550. Unbelievable test matches, but nothing can even compare to... 2005.
0: Can you take me behind the scenes when you walk off the ground and the English teams won the Ashes for the, you know, so I think it was like 89, the mm. AB had won it, so it was whatever the series was before that. It was a mm. long time ago. Can it you was. you take me into the rooms?
1: It was just like the dressing rooms in any team that's won. Uh, it's just like winning in Perth the other day with the Stars. There's no different. Right. All, each dressing room is exactly the same. Your reaction was There were a different. bunch of, no, well, the, our reaction was because we got Put on a freaking bus the next day well, around maybe London Maybe the reaction
0: of the country is what I mean You became an MBE MBE, yeah MBE, yeah. you know, that doesn't happen when you win for the Melbourne Stars That the whole team becomes MBE No, it doesn't, but
1: that doesn't That doesn't generally change anything uh, What has it changed in my life? Uh, nothing that, if, if, we win the Star, if we win the Big Bash this year What will that change in my life? It won't change anything
0: The series didn't change your life though?
1: No, I think the series changed my life in terms of what I produced on the field and me going forward in terms of weight of expectation that I'm going to have to yep. um, control and understand and come to grips with for the next 10 years um, if I made it that far. But that's all that changed. I mean, letters next to your name, MBE, I don't think I'm... Well, I know I know where it is, um, uh, but it doesn't change. I don't think it changes. It doesn't change anything. You might get letters that come through the post that go Kevin Peterson MBE, but it's just like, oh, okay. That's it. Well, it is because yeah, I get it's you. something to be proud of and I am incredibly proud of it. But like I said, I don't make a song and dance out of getting a 100 and I don't want to s- commit suicide when I get first ball. So it's just part of the package. And when you go through so many highs and th- so many lows in your career, you sort of it takes the gloss away which i think is the sad sad part of of anything and it's like traveling somebody said to me the other day at the airport oh you're in the airport again i went yeah said <laughs> and uh, how is it and i was like it's I, 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 I was gonna swear on that. <laughs> it's not very nice nah. and so i remember only getting on an airplane for the first time when i was 16 or 17 and <laughs> now i fly 16 or 17 times in a couple of months and so that that wonderful ability to travel and see the world that that education that you develop and how good education is and how i educate my kids by traveling it sort of takes the gloss of it and it takes the gloss off a lot of nice things and, and that's and that's probably the saddest saddest part about um what some of us what some of us have to endure is the, the real luxuries and amazing things in life sort of the gloss has taken off because you've had so many highs and you've been through pulled through so many lows too. Mm. what's been
0: the biggest high on the on the cricket side of life. Oh, the,
1: you won't get anything further um, or anything better than 2005 ashes and that's a beautiful stroke with which to make your maiden test century. The last test match of an Ashes series. I think with the, with the quality of players on both teams, yeah. I think that's what probably sticks out to be uh, right at the top. Uh, winning in India against India, yeah, but tendulkar was on his way down. Um, Verinda Saywag didn't have a great series. Uh, so you compare that, then you have a look at uh, when we beat you guys here, Pup was playing badly, Panna wasn't playing fantastically well. Um, the bowlers got injured Mitchell was spraying Him everywhere um, And so you You then take back To 2005 Well <laughs> Warren was At his best With bat and ball Bat and ball. Pigeon Okay he's tread on that ball but he, And he missed a couple Of test matches But when he was playing I mean, look at that first test match at Lord's. He just knocked uh, the sails, the, the wind out of our sails. That bloody ball that he trolled on. That bloody ball. I know, I, know. <laughs> I positioned it well, didn't I? Yeah, you probably <laughs> it did, yeah. So nice that African sword. snake. <laughs> 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 um, and then you got Gillespie again. Uh, Punner, that hundred that Panna scored at, uh, at, at Old Trafford. That was probably one of the best hundreds that I've seen as an opposition player in my career back against the wall and how Australia celebrated that draw at Old Trafford. Um, so it, it was the best players on show from both teams throughout the series.
0: It's been nearly two decades since an England captain has had his hands around the little urn. The long wait is nearly over. Don't drop him.
1: <laughs> Strasi got a couple of hundreds. Vaughan got a brilliant hundred at, uh, at, Old, Traf- mm. at Old Trafford. Triscothic, I mean shame if trez didn't get the the the, um, the anxiety and um, nerves for travel as much as he did i think he would have been goodness a proper proper star
0: so if that's the high it's yeah obviously the obvious question is the lows uh
1: the lows uh, losing the england captaincy the way it was dealt with really hurt me i think that's the thing that really hurt me uh, and then all the other stuff that came with it and I mean, that was water for a duck's back compared to losing the captaincy because I actually enjoyed captaining. I didn't enjoy the politics and I never got a fair crack at it with um, with the coach that we had. But also I was a work in progress because I probably shouldn't have been given the captaincy. Uh, but I was the only one playing all three forms of the game. Um, so, yeah, it was, a tough, it was a tough three or four months, that. Real tough.
0: Uh, mate, this is not about... Raking over the coals of what mm. went wrong. There's only one negative thing I want to ask you about. Yeah, and there was a situation within England set up where there was a parody account mm. uh, that was a parody of your of you. Yeah, and it was a, it was a Twitter account, and yeah. you, you wrote in your book, and it, yeah. it really hit me that you ended up um, with Andy Flower, a man you obviously didn't get on with, in tears. Yeah, and when Rick cried on this podcast the other day, I was like. Geez, this is a bloke that hooks, bounces at 150 kilometres yeah. an hour, he's the toughest man I know, and he's crying. And to read that you were in tears in front of a bloke that you didn't have a good relationship probably gave me an indication that that must have been a reasonably tough period for you.
1: Mm, it was. It was an unbelievably tough period because... Can you explain the I background a, of what was going on? Well, it was, um, it, was a, it was a parody Twitter account that was being run from inside the dressing room. Inside the dressing room? Inside the dressing room, the dressing, yeah. So players were running it about me on a public forum um, for a month or so and I got tipped off by a player who told me it was coming from the dressing room and I knew that it was coming from the dressing room and afterwards I found out that it was coming from inside the dressing room a couple of players had logins and they were tweeting about it and basically just crucifying me and my personality to the public um, and I got a big following um, and if it wasn't from inside the dressing room it would have been fine there's one at the moment which is not KP24 I actually find it incredibly funny um, because some of it's something that I some things that I think <laughs> and, and, <laughs> which uh, is scary <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, it's it's hilarious um, but it's not from inside the dressing room it's just a punter having a laugh and yeah. just basically spraying spraying people on my behalf which it, it looks like it's from me but it's it's just funny but it's not inside the dressing room. When your teammates are there hammering you, it's a lonely place to get to. When you know one of your good mates in the team hears something and comes up to me and pulls me aside and says, mate, that, that parody account's coming from inside the dressing room. It sort of killed me because I was like, I go out there and I win games for England and I get England back in, back in games. And at that time, that headingly test match, I got that 150 after finding all the stuff out, playing one of the greatest knocks that I think I ever played, just because of the emotional circumstances I was uh, presented with. Um, it just let me down. It was just like, I'm over these blokes. I really am over these blokes.
0: And it brought you to tears.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah, 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 it did. It was, it was a, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a horrible, it was a horrible period. A really, really horrible period.
0: We were at. Uh, Commentating a game at the Gabba a couple of weeks ago, and the game was done, and I was getting out of a pink shirt, and you were getting out of your apricot shirt, and Junior <laughs> was getting out of his lime green shirt, and we're always keen to get out of there and get back to the hotel. And Stewie Broad was up mm. in you uh, know his Hobart Hurricanes gear, and he was talking to you, mm. um, and this is before I read your book, so I probably didn't understand the depth of the relationship, mm. and I was about to say, "Come on, Kev, let's wind it up," and then I thought, "Oh, well, this looks like a pretty serious conversation." Um, and thought oh, I'll just lead them to it, and I'll sit on my own, wait for five or ten minutes, um, and without oh well, you were pretty touched by the fact you had a conversation, and maybe it was time to get on with life and mm. let bygones be bygones. Would be the well, best way. Of well, I
1: do, and I don't let nonsense or the periphery get involved. Like I've said, it's my skin's thick enough now to just go. It is what it is. And I know that every single time a school runs, my social media feed will blow up. He's got to play for England again or he's going to play for South Africa. Listen, I ain't playing for any of those. I have got the best life now. I play T20 cricket around the world. Um, I see my family a lot more than I would if I played for England. It ain't happening. I'm the happiest I have ever possibly been throughout my career. Which is great. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And people can probably see it in the way that I play, the way that I train, the way that I enjoy myself. Um, I have the best time. I really do have the best time.
0: So there's no lying in bed when you can't sleep one night thinking, "Geez, I wish I'd had another crack for England. Or Not it? a it's- chance.
1: I was lucky enough to play one test match, let alone over 100 test matches. That's how I look at it. Um, and I look at England now. They're in India playing one-day internationals, and I just think, oh, I'm in Melbourne. I've just had a coffee. I'm sitting with Howie now having a lovely chat.
0: What a wonderful <laughs> <And> part your- <laughs> of life you're in.
1: It just cannot get any better. Oh, <laughs> well, I like to hear that. I like to hear that. <laughs> um... And I'm playing at the MCG this evening mm. and then I'll play there again on Friday. I'm going to commentate in Sydney tomorrow. With me? Then, with yes, me. I'm with, with you. With yeah. the A team. Yes. we out we're the A team. We're
0: in. we're in. Well, you're with the B team. Well, <laughs> you're yeah. the A team. Well, I trying my best to make your <laughs> blokes look good.
1: Um, and then next week, hopefully we'll get a semi-final in Melbourne. And then if that goes well, you get a final... Then I'll go to London for a few days. I'll see my family. And then me and my son, um, I'm going to take my PA with me because my wife's in Australia. So she'll look after Dylan while I'm out and about. But I'll have my son with me for two weeks in Dubai. Playing the PSL, and then I've been discussing a trip to South Africa on safari uh, because I'm building a beautiful house in the Kruger. Um, So I'm going to go there in March to go and have a look at levels of what level we want swimming pools and all those kinds of things. And then April, I'm going to hop in and out of India because I'm not going to play the IPL this year. I can't spend eight weeks away from my baby. And then I don't know what to do with the summer. I know I've sent a message to my wife this morning saying we need to discuss what I'm, what we're gonna do in the summer. Am I gonna play the Caribbean League? Do you want me to play a little bit in England so Dylan can come and watch Daddy play mm. in, in England? Um, and then we've got the Ashes next year. So oh, man, I I got a pretty cool life <laughs> at That's the moment. Great. Which is And and with all but but you know what? With all the shit that I've been through throughout my career mm. and people go, Oh, you're so lucky, oh you kissed you kissed uh, blah 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 I made a decision at 20 to leave my family, to leave every single friend that I had, to go to dive into the total unknown, to live in a house with somebody who worked at the club in probably one of the worst areas of Nottingham, with no friends, absolutely nothing, not known, a single person apart from Ricey, to... Basically turning my life around and making it, making and taking the best of an opportunity. So I, when people say that, say, Are oh, you're lucky you did that. I go, dude, I've made some tough calls in my career. Mm. I said, I've also done some tough things on the training field where people have never seen me training the way that I've trained. And the, the, the banks of the rivers and stairs and um, hills and stuff that I've run up by myself. Uh, the early mornings and the dark dark afternoons in, in England. No one's ever seen those training days that I've done to get myself to where I've wanted to get myself to. And so I just, I just enjoy doing what I do now.
0: Back to Kev in a sec. Now, myself and the Pickle and the Penguin, who are admittedly developing quite a following... Well, we love all the feedback at MarkHowD03 on Twitter and Facebook. Please keep it coming, and you can email us with thoughts, suggestions, and just general happiness and good vibes at thehowygames at hotmail.com. Last week on the show, we featured Kiwi master blaster Brendan McCullum. Baz, a lot of comments we've received about how people wish he was an Aussie, which I guess in some ways is the ultimate compliment. The fine country that is New Zealand are very lucky to have him. Brendan talked about all sorts of topics, including giving evidence in court about a former teammate, Chris Cairns. I didn't have to do it. Um, I think that's an important point. I didn't have to turn up at that court in London. But to give evidence? No, but I felt that I... So why did you? I, I felt I had a moral obligation, not just for the game or for international career, but for my family, for my kids. Um, that if you believe in something, um, that you've, you've got to have... You've got to be able to stand up and... No matter how tough it is, and how much you don't want to do it, and you've got to be able to stand up and and actually, um, you know, stand up for what you believe in. Baz last week, Kumar next week, KP now. <laughs> Epic. You mentioned a couple of things there. One was the IPL, the other was your wife, and your private life is your private life. Yeah. But Rick was describing when he first met Rihanna. Can you tell us when you first met your beautiful oh, it wife? Blind,
1: it was a blind date with her manager. Her manager set it all up. I a blind thought... date? Yeah. I the said... king
0: of England was going on blind dates. Absolutely. Oh, come on, yeah, it was, mate. Come on. You see the hair that I had? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it was a blind date for her <laughs> sake. If you
1: rock that skunk. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't rock the skunk. Um, I didn't at all. And... Yeah, it was a blind date. I just said to a manager who was doing work on something with the side. I said, "You must have some pretty decent-looking ladies on your on your books who mm. are single." And he said, "Oh, Jessica from Liberty X has just uh, become single." I said, "Well, come on," and it basically just went from there. Blind date at Zuma in London.
0: Click from the start.
1: And that was it. Yeah, done and dusted. we were married. I think 18 months, or I mean, I, yeah, I got uh, I got my our marriage year wrong on my son's birth certificate so i'm not very good at numbers
0: so what does she mean to you your beautiful she's wife? good
1: she's great she's understanding and i think with the life that i've led having her have the career that she had before she's a singer she, yeah she's a singer yeah so liberty x they're actually touring australia and new zealand now in february
0: want to get me tickets
1: um do i want to get you tickets yeah. um Take, is it sort of what i won't be there what age group You'll be in, you'll be in Dubai. Won't you? you won't be yeah, doing anything for us.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I will be in Dubai. Exactly. The kids
1: might be a bit young. <laughs> yeah. Kids are too young. Um, but her having that sort of public profile mm. before and understanding what comes with a public profile, a lot more famous than, than I was. Um, she, she was able to understand the whole thing that went with it. So she's actually been the most unbelievable sounding board through all the stuff. I think it probably would have found it really hard if it was just sort of a girl next door and, all of a sudden you just splashed everywhere and we got paparazzi camping outside our house for days and uh, film crews there for goodness three four days and blokes i mean it was absolute carnage on some occasions and so she was like i have i seen it before who cares what a beauty what lucky a
0: beauty. very lucky and a beautiful family as well yeah. is that is that your greatest achievement today
1: there's nothing better than my family Absolutely nothing better than my family. Good man. And people people can see that by the way that I've never spread my family over any social media platforms, any magazines, because my family is my family. Dylan will, and Rosie will have the opportunity when they're older to decide if they want to... Mm pump themselves up by having all these stupid social media feeds which actually is the thing that I really fear and worry about the most and I there's one thing in my life that keeps me awake at night occasionally it's worrying about social media with kids and where social media is going to be in three four five years time when Dylan is eight nine, ten, eleven. eleven it's just like... It's something that really scares me, due to the negativity. Of due to the negative negativity and just what can happen on social media, the Facebooks and Instagrams and stuff. And and actually, it's the the main reason for me staying on these these platforms because it happens. I could spray it most days on social media.
0: Um, you do come back, Dad. I do. I enjoy it when you yeah. come back. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> I got I got a blog like nicely yesterday too. Did you now? Yeah, um, and. That's probably the main reason is because I want to keep on top of social media so that when my son starts to jump on social media platforms, I'm fully engaged as to know all the tricks of the trade on him. So I can monitor because I'm just worried about social media. I'm scared of it.
0: The other thing we were just talking about was the IPL. Yeah. You are and have been the best in the world at what you do for a period of time. So you deserve to get paid as much money as you possibly can what's it like when you're sitting watching the IPL auction the first time it comes around and all of a sudden the numbers going into the millions
1: luckily I was asleep I was in Jamaica and you slept through it yeah I was in the middle of a test match right and She's I was
0: still been tempted to log on oh, I mean. really no. <laughs> I, would have been. I thought
1: there were those figures floating around yeah no I am I, um, I woke up whenever it was normal time I'm a good sleeper I'm a great sleeper actually however I mean mm. I sleep, I can sleep any as long as i've got a as long as i 've got a bed, I can sleep anywhere, I, I struggle to sleep sitting, um, but now i 'm a very very good sleeper, and yeah, I woke up normal time to my alarm and uh, I had messages uh, on my phone like I do every morning, I turn my phones on and I flick through my phone for an hour going through emails and especially if i 'm on a different time zone to the u k mm. and it was the same it was that morning, and yeah, someone had chucked a number at me of one point five million dollars and I was like. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But did, did
0: it make sense to you at that point?
1: Uh Not really. Not really. It's a lot of money to be thrown at when mm. you're 28 years of age and it's only going to be for a few weeks work. Um But the IPL, yeah, it's it's changed. It changed cricket, it changed cricketers. Um Yes. Yeah, but again, it wasn't it wasn't something that I didn't I knew that to maintain the numbers that i was i was given i needed to probably work harder perform more yeah play better and i did that
0: you know what I, you know what i crave kev being a sports broadcaster and a sports viewer and a sports lover is i crave the american system where like you, you, i can just see you getting awkward talking about money um and in Australia, we cut blokes down, you know, if they oversell or whatever. I wish we had the American approach where mm, it was... So do I. ...me and Showtime and I get yeah. paid this and I'm worth this. And I don't come off the ground saying, well, you know, the team was fantastic today. Yeah. I like come off the ground and say, I love my team, but geez, I was good today. I crave that as yeah. a sports consumer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I do too. I, I mean, I've been very vocal on social media saying how boring are people's press conferences now? How rubbish are they? And it's something I try don't, I try, try to not do and people go, oh, you can't say i I say, well, I will say it because I'm in a position where I can. I don't have a federation or a board that now locks on me mm. like I did with England. Anything you say, I mean, you've got to pump every single other player's per- tyres before you even say that, oh, yeah, but it was nice to, 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 to contribute to a, to a winning team performance. Well, bullshit golfers look at golfer the golfer walks off the course and says yep I hit it sweet today it was absolutely beautiful I crunched nine that putt was brilliant yeah it is what happened
0: I love that so I love do Greg do Norman and I do it too I, I love the Greg Norman I yeah. was enormous myself today when he won the British Open I was like well you've done all that practice <laughs> yeah. you've done all that work yeah. and you've nailed it yeah. good on you mate yeah
1: Okay, so maybe tomorrow, how your tonight's fucking runs or whatever? I might come out with that and then you're going to have to make sure that this podcast goes everywhere so people don't think I'm the biggest dick.
0: So how are you feeling, Kev, after your hundred? Well, I was in all myself tonight.
1: And how good was I? Seriously, that shot of extra cover, have you ever seen anything as good as that?
0: So that's the quote from this podcast right there. Peterson on how he thinks he bats, bang, right there. Uh, I enjoy that world. Mate, um, I said to you the other day, I took the kids, and uh, the Pickle and the Penguin, who are well-known on this podcast because they often ask questions and get themselves involved in it. Mm. But um, I said, who are we going to go for? And uh, the first game of the Big Bash, and my young bloke, who's five, who would have seen 15 minutes of Big Bash in his life. And mm. a few pictures in the paper, he said, oh, Dad, I want to go for the team with the guy with the rhinos on his bat. Wicked, and you know, I texted it's good. you that. Yeah, it's good. Um, uh, something that's very close to your heart. Um, yeah. and it's it's really nice that you can use your profile to make a really positive mm. impression on the world. I reckon mm. it, is. A, it is. It's
1: it is. It's it. It's a decision that I've made because of how close to my heart it is, and and how I've had that one-on-one experience with the actual animal. Mm. And I think you can't get. You can't get as involved or as personal with something if you haven't had that direct engagement excuse me or involvement and i have had the direct engagement and i've been the first person to touch a rhino that we've darted to get some dna out of him so we can catch the poachers and i've done that to a few animals um and it's 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 such an amazing thing an amazing animal it's a strong animal and being South African and being brought up in, in, in the outdoor spaces in Africa, Africa, you're not born in Africa. Africa's born in you, and I, I so believe it. Every time I jump on an aeroplane and get off that aeroplane, as soon as I get off that aeroplane, I just smell Africa.
0: Which sounds cheesy. It sounds like those Wilbur Smith books, but yeah. when you go there, it's like, oh, that's what they mean by this.
1: There is a, just a clear smell of Africa, uh, and it's its amazing. And it's the best place in the world. i I, I love it more than I love anywhere else in the world uh, and it's my sort of sanctuary it's my sort of home where I can go and just especially in the next few months once my house is built in South Africa I can just that'll be me that will be me, you ever want to find me Howie and there's an international ringtone, <laughs> you know where she It'll is be
0: somewhere up near sort of the Sabi Sands area somewhere uh, I'll up I'll be there. in there
1: on the Sabi river, on the banks of the Sabi river drinking flying fish Watching my animals. Having a
0: castle lager and just getting the bride, just <laughs> it. it over, maybe That's chewing it. on a bit of biltong as well. <laughs> oh, there's a box of biltong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that stuff. I freaking it's got love it there. that stuff. So it. what are you going to do when, when all this winds up? When you stop playing cricket and is there a, you know, you obviously do a wonderful job in commentary. You've got... Um, coaching setups you know the, the world your oyster you, have, you, have you thought about what happens next
1: I'm going to spend a lot more time in Australia I think the the summers I'm going to spend a certain amount of time here for sure hopefully in the commentary in the commentary world um, and also just steering clear of the minus two minus three mm. raining dark by four o'clock dark at eight o'clock in the morning um, scenarios. So I'll have the luxury of being able to come here and do stuff here. So I can see myself spending a lot more time. Well, not a lot more time, but the same amount of time that I'm in Australia or I have been for the last two or three years, I can see myself spending that amount of time here down under because I love the place. I've got such a great bunch of mates here. Um, and it's such a positive, positive place to be. Uh, and I do, yes, I love the commentary. Um, hopefully I give a an honest... Um, perspective on on what I feel and having, and having yeah
0: honest I would say honest
1: yeah honest yeah and also having played the modern day game and, and still maintaining fairly good standards in the modern day way the players play
0: mm.
1: and being in team meetings and, and reviewing the games and understanding the games and knowing what bowlers want to do what batters want to do I think I can give a pretty good um, outlook being articulate enough to present to the world this is what players are doing these days and this is how they're doing it and so I think I've probably got a fairly big role in teaching the public who are now having to conform to T20 cricket being a pretty big Mm. piece of uh, of the game what the players are doing and how the players are doing it and how it's affecting Test match cricket and one day international cricket and so that's why I think I've got a pretty big role to play over the next few years especially in the commentary box to try and give people that understanding of where the game's at
0: there seems to be a real yeah it's in the australian media a real they're trying to put a divide between the big bash and the test and the and the one days even the way it's commentated the whole thing that you know i personally i love watching it both i yeah. love watching test cricket yeah. um I, I think it it's all one game do, do you worry about the side of the game the slower forms of the game do you worry about test cricket i do and i'm just going to get my phone because yeah. i've tweeted something hold on Okay, Kev's just going to get his phone in his pink ripped jeans. I hope they start a white and you washed a red T-shirt with those. They didn't start pink, is <laughs> Shut they? up. So I tweeted this morning.
1: Just because it's, it's such a topic of conversation. Yeah, it is. There's a poll. I said, quick poll. As the competition between international and franchise cricket continues to heat up, who are the stars of this Australian summer? BBL players, Australian internationals. I've had 4,311 votes. Mm. 62% say BBL players. Are the biggest stars? Are the biggest stars of the summer, and so that's a worry. I just want because there's been so much chat about it. I wanted to. I, I want to figure out. I want. To, I want to know what people are doing because the ICC then has to look at this. Cricket Australia needs to look at this, and they need to go. You know what? This is what the public are saying. You need to now not compete with one-day internationals one night. T20 the next night because there's a full house at last night's T20. There were 20,000 people at the Gabba for Mm -hmm. the One Day International but a full house for the Gabba that we commentated on last week or two weeks ago. How do we sort that out? Let the Australians now play it. The board needs to understand and the ICC needs to understand that T20 cricket is here to stay and it's, it's, it's going to happen Come hell or high water Unless you just ban T20 cricket full stop Which will be a huge outcry Because it will bring in a lot of money as the, as the new television deals for T20 cricket Especially here for the Big Bash Are going to bring in How do we do it? And when you have a look at that You've got 4,300 people voting Within three or four hours And BBL's at 62% There's an issue I don't like it I played 104 test matches I love test match cricket I'm on the T20 circuit now And I love that as well how do they fix it? The public cannot pay 150 to $180 to go and watch a one-day international when they can pay 20 bucks to go and watch a Big Bash game. There'll be 40,000 people on a Tuesday night tonight watching us mm. with the Australian Open tennis happening next door. That's it. And so there is an issue. Don't compete. Cater for it all because people who love cricket will still love doing it. But they need to find a way where David Warner can play the Big Bash. Because a guy like Warner and, and, and some of the Australian stars won't like that. <laughs> they won't like that the big plashes, what the public think and feel, are the, are the biggest stars of the summer. Because they shouldn't be. But they are. And so the ICC in Cricket Australia, or whoever it is, needs to fix it up.
0: A couple of quick ones which we normally finish on mm. um, about cricket. Uh, mm. The best batsman you've seen? Best batsman I've seen played against?
1: Oh, there's, there's two. Yep. Um, Ponting, standing at Gully watching him crunch hmm. short of a length through midwicket, and Callis, Callis the greatest cricketer. How much did he love getting you out? Who? Callis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he got me out a few times, but... I also whacked the old man a few times you? too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no doubt he's listening to it.
0: Howie Games. <laughs> Howie Games, I was like, a podcast. He couldn't spell
1: podcast, <laughs> Callas.
0: And, uh, and the best bowler you've seen?
1: The best bowler I faced was Mohammed Asif. Right, Mohammed Asif. From Pakistan, the guy that got done for his match fixing and stuff. And right. Probably not a bad thing because he tormented a lot of batters. Just his ability to make a batsman feel like the ball was accelerating off the off the wicket in different directions.
0: I thought you might have totally said Mitch totally Johnson there. there.
1: Nah. No, Ah uh, Mohammed 4 by a country mile. Yeah, he. If I, if I was in good form, he made sure I wasn't in good form. A couple of weeks later, after playing him, and if I wasn't in good form, I knew I wasn't in good form after playing him for a couple of weeks in the
0: series. We're nearly done here. You talked about playing for the MCC world side. Did I? In your book? It oh, MCC, in my book. World side?
1: Yes, yes. It was the MCC's 200th anniversary, 100th anniversary, or 200th anniversary.
0: And you were talking about being in the change rooms with all these great players, yeah. and then the thing—the the thing that really touched me in your book was when you said you, you sort of got home that night and you were chatting with your dad, who you mm. said is a pretty—if uh, people have been to South Africa, Afrikaans, pretty straight down the line, yeah. not really emotional people—and yeah. he sort of said, yeah, mate, you've done well. You've done well, son." Yeah. That was the best part of your book for me.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was something. It was just a personal moment in in the kitchen at home, and he was like you've gone okay haven't you to have done that and to achieve that and be selected for a game like that and share the dressing room with those kinds of guys and it is it's a it's a pinch yourself moment because I even said to Luke Wright yesterday and I had my mate who I said had, as he's immigrated to Perth and he came and spent a night with me in Melbourne and I took him to the MCG last night first time he'd been to Melbourne and he walked up those the ramp there and he was just like holy <laughs> smokes and I know I was batting. I was playing with Luke Wright. Um, he was a backward point. I was at uh, at forty five on the off side, and I just walked up to him after a ball, and I just said, "Mate, I said, how lucky are we? There's seventy one thousand people here at the MCG, and we are. Who's that? Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just making sure. I always check my phone just yeah, in case right, it's man. home. Um, and I just, I just, I just said to him, I said it's it's just unbelievable and 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 I'm, i know i've played for 10 years and i've i've done what i've done in the game and stuff but i can still appreciate looking around the mcgs and going it's just insane and i will do it again tonight i'll walk out there tonight and i'll look around the mcg and i'll go wow just wow because i don't make big things out of i don't i just don't make big things out of it but i'm always appreciative of of what I've been able to achieve and, 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 what, and how lucky I am I always do, I say to myself, you're so lucky <laughs> You really are lucky
0: This is a, a pretty good point to finish I think, the, the Howie Games As uh, listeners will know, always ends With a question from um, one of my children it's always oh. the uh, penguin, the big penguin or the pickle And I tell them a little bit about you okay. And it was the big penguin that wanted to ask a question uh-huh. I was at home yesterday and was, He said, oh, he's the guy with the rhino in his bat Yeah, I know what I want to ask oh, him That's good, here we go So this is my five-year-old, the big penguin And this is his question for you, Kev Okay Hey KP, big penguin here What do I need to do to be a better batsman here? Peace Threw a little
1: piece on the head. Oh he's got peace. He's left handed What does he need to do To be a better batsman
0: What advice do you have You know for any, what for, youngs- for
1: youngsters And little kids Hit that ball Just whack it Don't worry about technique If you have a look At my technique She ain't sharp it's got a, I've got a solid base But just hit the ball At that age Just hit the ball Just enjoy hitting the ball Don't worry about Elbows and knees And feet Just whack the ball It's all about enjoyment it really, really is. Because at the end of the day, that's all we do. That's all I'll do tonight. And that's all i do. done my whole career is just hit that ball. The enjoyment that you get out of hitting it is as good as anything. Just hit that ball. Don't worry about technique.
0: That's good because the penguin doesn't have much technique at this point. But like, I'll let him know just to whack the ball.
1: I don't have, I don't have much either. <laughs>
0: it's work for you. It's work for you. Well, if he goes down your path, all I'll say is do what he did but maybe get a few less tats. <laughs> Kev, mate, I really appreciate your time. You're off. You've got to go. And make some runs yeah, tonight, hopefully, I'll and try have some wins. And um, <laughs> good on you, mate. Take it no worries, easy, Harry. Good on you, mate. Well done. KP, what a star. Thanks to Kev. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Next week, same bad time, same bad channel, Kumar Sangakara. Until next Thursday, peace and love. And we can do it
1: if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try.
0: Try, try, try. Can we go play now? Listener